Hey, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today to Off the Bench. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Thursday, March 4th, and today I've got a treat for you. Mark Melosha, who is the director of the Family Policy Institute of Washington, is in the studio with me today, and we're going to be talking about a whole lot of issues you guys are going to be fascinated with, including can you be a Democrat and a Christian? Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. So thanks for tuning in today. A couple of things before we get rolling, wanted to let you guys know that we have just started a brand new study over at Mom Strong International. We're going to be going through my book, Becoming Mom Strong, How to Fight with All That's in You for Your Family and Your Faith. That's happening for the month of March and for April. There is a six-week Bible study that has also been uh, published, and you guys can pick that up and get a membership to Mom Strong International, and I'm going to be taking you through that study for the next two months. So we're very excited about that this weekend. And on Saturday, I will be the keynote speaker for the Republican Women's Dinner here in Clark County, Washington. Tickets are going fast. From what I understand, they are almost sold out. So if you're interested in coming to hear me speak, you don't have to be a woman to come. Uh, lots of guys going to be there, including my husband. So please uh, coming out and let's balance the uh, the estrogen with a little bit of testosterone. And you guys can do that this Saturday, the 6th at the Republican Women's Dinner. So I'm excited about that. All right, you guys, I have a real treat for you today. Mark Melosha is in the studio with me. He is currently serving as the executive director for the Family Policy Institute of Washington which is the only statewide Christian policy and advocacy organization in Washington state. They focus on uniting Christians on issues such as life, family, marriage, parental rights, hey, hey, religious freedom, and Christian social justice. Mark Melosha, it's really an honor to have you in the studio. Thank you, Heidi. Glad to be here. So this is exciting for me because uh, I've been watching what you've been doing for a long time, a huge fan, obviously, of the Family Policy Institute of Washington. But you have a very interesting story uh, from where God brought you uh, and uh, where you are now and what you're doing now. So let's take take us back a little bit because you've been married to your wife. What for? Is it 40 years? It is 40 years, uh, nine months, and it's going on six days. Oh my, Jay, did you hear that? Jay's shaking his head. He's like, come on, man. Everybody counts their blessings one way. And that's how (laughs) I count my blessings. How long I've been married to Michelle. Oh, I love that. And you guys have three children, three children now up to 10 grandchildren. Oh my goodness. It's the grandkid gig is a really good one, isn't it? it? uh, Yes. But the bad news for us, unfortunately, is our, our, our daughter is with, uh, uh, her husband, he's in the army okay. in Germany. Oh, Ramstein? Uh, Stuttgart. Okay, Stuttgart. Okay. Uh, with nine grandchildren. And then her son is with his wife in Tokyo with our other one. Oh, my goodness. And they're not around you They're then. not around. Oh. So Zoom is popular and, and uh, FaceTimed. That's how we... Uh, we see them, but it's sad being a grandparent when they're on different continents. Wow, that would be sad. Uh, I am fascinated with your story. I was reading your uh, bio and just talking to you a minute ago before we started recording, and my husband was like, stop talking. This is so good. We need to get on the air. You are having a huge impact here in Washington State, standing up for policies that really are biblical in nature and trying to educate people about what's important, but that's not where you started. So tell us where you started kind of... uh, you know, I noticed that you uh, you graduated, got your MBA from the University of North Dakota, and then you went into the military. You've done all kinds of things. So give us, this is your first time on my show, give us a little bit of a feel for who you are, kind of where you started and, and how God brought you to where you are now. Oh, thank you. Uh, interesting story. I grew up in Queens, New York, 
In fact, not far from where uh, President Trump uh, used to live in Queens. All right. So uh, sort of the rough and tumble of uh, New York. We'll be all hear about in, that. Inner city. That's right. <laughs> Queens, uh, gangs and everything. Well, I uh, went to Bronx High School of Science and then I went off to the Air Force Academy. My family was a tight knit uh, a Catholic Italian American family, uh, very strict. So go, actually, going to military school is pretty I'm easy. Imagining big personalities, big personalities. Everybody <laughs> waves their hand. Yeah, yeah, and Italian. Yeah, talks a mile a minute. <laughs> uh, but went to Colorado, uh, the wild blue yonder, a yes. completely different culture. But I completely abandoned my faith, like a lot of people do, going to college. Mm. And two weeks at the Air Force Academy, I stopped going to church. And that was how I was. I was just kind of a, a person sort of lost and just trying to, you know, uh, live the American dream, whatever that happened to be, mm-hmm. not looking p- uh, at my faith at all. And then I started dating this uh, uh, a young girl named Michelle. And after about a year of dating, she said, well, before we go out on our date on Saturday night, why don't we go to church first? <laughs> I mean, I was shocked, but that's what got me back yeah. to church. You know, before I was going to church because my parents were making, now I was going to church because Michelle was making me go to church <laughs> before the Saturday night date. Yeah. So either way, it wasn't really your own. It wasn't first my it was own. was your parents and now it was Michelle. Now it was Michelle. Uh, long story short, I ended up proposing to her and we got married three years after we graduated and I went off to pilot training. But I was going to church, but I was only going to church because Michelle made me. Um, flew bombers for a time and then fast forward, the Air Force sent me here to work at the Boeing plant here in Seattle. And we were at a new church and they had a, a young married uh, group, a little Bible study. Michelle made me go to that. <laughs> so I went to this Bible. She's a good woman. St- she was a good woman. She was <laughs> always trying to make me be a better, better man. Mm. And I started going to this Bible study and it was like any typical Bible study, a little bit of praying, uh, a little bit of answering questions about Jesus Christ, a little bit of scripture reading. Of course, me wanting to be the smartest person in the room, I wanted to get all the answers right to these questions about the Bible. So I started reading the Bible for the first time in my life. Mm -hmm. Cover to cover, I remember reading it nine times in three months because I wanted, like Jeopardy, I wanted to be the first one. I was going to say, wow, nine times in three months? I can't get people to read it one time in nine months. (laughs) And once you start reading it, the words start talking to you. And it started kind of a... Uh, uneasiness or, or schizophrenia in my mind because I suddenly realized I wasn't living the life, life that Jesus Christ and my faith teaches us to live. Mm. And um, so I did what everybody does when they're un- under anxious or they feel like they're stressed out. I started praying for the first time constantly mm. for God to give me the answer of what to do with my life. Turns out the Word of God is active and the alive. The Word of God is active and that prayer works. Mm. I started praying minutes a day and then it became hours a day. God, what should I do? I'm not following your Word. What should I do? One day I just woke up a changed man. Literally, I felt consumed on fire. I felt God's presence. I ran off to my colonel's office and said, I quit the Air Force. I'm now going to serve Jesus Christ 24 hours a day. I'm only going to serve Him. And I realized I didn't tell my eight-month pregnant wife, Michelle, that I oh, just no. quit the Air Force. <laughs> but I went home. She was up, upset for about three hours, but she said she, said she could work with this. And um, long story short, the baby was born. I was, un, I was unemployed for uh, 18 months, but finally got a job sh- serving the Lord at Tacoma Goodwill, helping individuals with disabilities. And I completely switched my life on that day. I was wow. pro-choice. I became pro-life instantly. I could not get enough of scripture in the Lord. And I feel like I had to go spread the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody. And so that's what I did. I joined the, uh, the pro-life movement and uh, my church ministries. And I was out talking Jesus Christ. The first time in my life, 
publicly. And that's the key. I identified as a supporter of Jesus Christ first. Mm. And it changes you. It changes you. It changes you. You can't can't stay in the same uh, trajectory that you were in before once you start listening to God. You have to follow Jesus's words. Mm. But I, I was a Democrat at the time. And um, and I all of a sudden realized the Democratic Party had problems with people who talk their faith, mm-hmm. who talk Jesus, mm-hmm. who pass out scripture. And this was what year? This was in this. Uh, uh, the born again experience happened in 89. OK. And then I first ran for office in 92 as right. a Democrat, a pro-life, pro-family Democrat in King County. In of King, so in the most liberal county. So a lot of people listen to this are going, where is that? You I mean, this is Seattle. This is in Fedaway, right south yeah. of Seattle. And then I realized that Democrats have a problem with people like that. And I didn't receive any support mm. uh, from the Democratic Party. And I realized uh, that there are real fanatics on the other side about this culture of death mm-hmm. and that this kind of anti-child mentality, anti-family mentality, mm-hmm. that the government knew best about everything. Mm-hmm. And But I stood firm because I had the word of God on my side. Mm-hmm. And I kept speaking out loud. Well, unfortunately, you do need support and money from folks. And there weren't many people in the Democrat Party willing to support me. And I lost that election um, by 300 votes. I ran again. I lost again. But then the Democrats were put in the minority. And they said, well, maybe next time we'll support you. So they supported me on the third time I ran for office. And they said, well, overlook you being pro-life and pro-family. And I finally won as a Democrat state rep in 98. Wow. And this is almost unheard of now. Oh, I mean, I don't know how in, in 2021, anyone who's pro-life could even be remotely accepted in the Democrat Party. Is that is that accurate? In fact, um, it happened about 10 years ago, the real big switch when President Obama became president. He took the Democratic to this far left uh, radical ideology and all the issues and people. And there was a couple of pro-life, pro-family Democrats still left. But all of a sudden we became bigots uh, overnight, misogynists. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. hate women overnight. And if you were a person of faith, I'd literally come into a room. They would boo me. The entire group of Democrats would boo me as I walk into a room. Mm. And I realized my days were numbered, were numbered as a Democrat. And I ran for a state order, lost that race. But then I, I still had the issue. I still wanted to work in the legislative process uh, to help pass good laws, yeah. bring my Christian values in the public square. And I looked at the Republican Party and they welcomed me with open arms and I ran as a Republican uh, for state Senate. And I won the election in uh, 2014. And, um, and I got to make a difference there. And at this time, like I said, the Democrats uh, went completely radicalized, not just in King County, but all across uh, Washington state. Yeah. Um, it's sad to see um, a lot of folks who were, who were moderate or even conservative Democrats, Joe Biden, I mean, frankly, Joe Biden was more pro-life than I in the 70s, but he, in his search for power and his, in his reach up the ladder and ambition to the next step in the wrong ladder, you're offered these temptations and you're given these carrots. And the question is, like Jesus, do you accept these temptations? Do you change your position or do you stay firm with the Lord? Mm. I stayed firm and Joe Biden, unfortunately, he rejected his Catholic faith. He rejected pro-life rejected the least of our brothers and sisters in order to get that golden ring to be the president. Mm. So it's sad to see folks, you know, accept those temptations from really what truly is these evil organizations. Mm-hmm. But, but that's what happens. And you have to stand firm, be prayerful and, and have your faith grounded. So for folks interested in running for office, have your faith grounded in scripture 
and in prayer and in your faith community. Mm, it's so important. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You and I were talking before we began recording um, about this idea, can you be a Christian and a Democrat? And it really offends people. You know, I wrote an article several years ago that said you cannot be a Christian and be pro-choice. It it just is, it's, it's antithetical to everything that we know about God from his word and from the ministry of our Lord Jesus. And you have a really, you wrote an article about this, right? Can you be a Christian and a Democrat? How was that received? Well, uh, there's a, frankly a lot of folks out there who got upset. I, I can understand them. Uh, at, at a certain level, every person has to make a choice. Are they going to serve God or are they going to serve evil? Or are you going to support an organization that is turning evil? I mean, uh, the famous Dietrich Bonhoeffer in Germany. Germany wasn't insane. When Hitler got elected, he slowly moved that the yes. entire country to evil. So Christians had a choice in Germany. Do you accept this evil? Do you go along with the rising insanity, the delusion being put by these leaders, yeah. or do you push back? And unfortunately, in, in uh, Germany's time back in uh, when Hitler first started, some Christians and pastors made the wrong choice. Now, we face the same choice right now. Look at what's being proposed right now. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, now babies born alive, we can kill them. Yeah. Uh, now this Equality Act is where you're going to let children self-mutilate themselves and do it without parents Amazingly, knowing about it at, at the all. hands of adults. Exactly. Right? I mean, this is happening at the hands of, of adults who are pushing this in the name of being woke, yes. right? We were talking with our kids. Uh, we're going through back through the history of the United States again with, with our kids. This is like the 10th time we've done it. And we're in the Enlightenment right now. We're talking about the Enlightenment. And one of and my daughter, who's almost 18, said, look at the correlations between the Enlightenment and the woke movement now, right? In the Enlightenment, they're like, oh, wait, we understand this and we understand that. We're having the same moment now, except for these are things that that don't uh, enlighten us to the fact that we have a creator, that he made the universe, or wow, maybe the earth's not flat after all. We're talking about things that are patently absurd and false on their face, as, as such as issues of male and female. Unscientific. It's amazing. I thought this was the party of science, right? But they're willing to reject what they say that they know to be true in order to follow the crowd. And in this case, the wind is at the back of the social justice movement. It's at the back of these uh, social warriors who are... Uh, promoting transgenderism. And we've talked about this here at the podcast many times, the damage that is being done to this generation of children who are really being indoctrinated into these beliefs via the public school system. That's the main mechanism by which these kids are being taught that there's whatever, 400 genders. I can't remember what we're up to now, uh, but it's, it's devastating. And this is the Democrat party of, of today. today. And it wasn't like this 15 years ago, but today, if you're a faithful Christian, you will be booed. You will be called every name in the book, and they will not have you around. I Canceled. I, you will be canceled. I think maybe there's two left in all of Congress. Wow. And there's none left in Washington State. I dare somebody to find a faithful Christian who protects the unborn, who understands the importance of parental rights, of marriage, the significance of helping the least of her brothers and sisters the right way, 
Mm-hmm. Not with the way you see going on in Seattle where it's going to give everybody whatever drug they want. Mm-hmm. You know, eat, drink, and be merry. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Mm-hmm. That's a philosophy coming out of out of what I call this neo-pagan movement. And they've taken over the entire Democratic Party. So, uh, so why would anybody join a party that hates babies, that wants to children to self-mutilate, denial of science and marriage, and frankly, making every virtue a vice and every vice yes. a virtue. Yeah. And that's the world we live in right now. And, um, and, uh, and, and that's the Democratic Party of today, unfortunately. It wasn't like that. But now we have to stand up and say who we stand up with. And I say, stand with Jesus Christ. Mm. And never been more important. There's no time to lose. I mean, we're we're at the jumping off place right now. A lot of what I've been talking about on the podcast for years is my personal philosophy and my family's philosophy of get off the bench, get off the bench, get onto the battlefield, get engaged in the culture. And one of the big mistakes that we have made as Christians for the last several generations is that we were taught right in the 70s, for sure, in the 60s and the 80s, we were taught, oh, politics and Christianity do not mix. Separation of Separation of church and state, which is a misnomer on its face, right? This was never what, this was never the intent of the statement. But what do you say to people who say, oh no, the church shouldn't become involved in politics? What do you say to uh, pastors who refuse to engage or they say, well, we're apolitical? Mark, is there any such thing as apolitical? Well, uh, all we know is Jesus commanded us to be the salt and light of the world. And to just go right back to the end of Matthew, Jesus' last words in the Great Commission, go out and teach all nations, make disciples of all uh, that I commanded. So that means we have to stand up as followers of Jesus Christ and teach folks what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you, you believe that children should be uh, alive? Should we be pro-life, pro-family? Uh, should we respect individuals? And what's the right way to deal with the least of our brothers and sisters? If we're not speaking up with our Christian solutions, then the other side is giving their solutions out in the public square. And just look at where our public schools are right now. Mm. Uh, they went from teaching uh, uh, the whole uh, sexual orientation, gender identity. Now they're moving to the racist, critical race theory. Mm-hmm. The 1619 school. project. The 1619 project where, uh, where every white is guilty of white privilege, what happened 400 years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and that's just racism today. I read in the newspaper a couple of days ago that Joe Biden is saying they're going to go ahead and start with reparations uh, immediately. And I thought, wow, you know, we've and I, I honestly you can pin a lot of this on Barack Obama and in the way that he changed the conversation about race in this country and feel like it has made us more angry and more uh, at odds with each other than ever in, you know, in in recent memory. I can't remember this ever. Uh, growing up to where it, we are right now. And yet the Christians have a way, right? Because we know that we know the living God to stand in the gap and say, no, we were created equal. We are image bearers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter the color of our skin. And that's not to say we can't talk about issues that are important. And is there racism in the country? Absolutely. Are there racists? Yes, there are. Are we a racist nation? No. We are not a racist nation, and I refuse to believe that we are. And yet, these people coming into our public schools teaching our children that we are that that our nation is inherently racist, and we're creating division. And it seems like it's it's gaining speed. Do you do you see that happening? Um, in fact, it's got a, it's out of control right now. Uh, the other side was real smart. The, uh, the basis of their ideology is Marxist in nature. Uh, they took over all the interest groups one by one. They took over the higher ed- education facilities. 
the professional association. The slow march through the universities. Slow march through the universities. Now they effectively taken over the education system with the bills going on here in Washington state and what uh, President Joe Biden is trying to do nationally. And right now, pretty soon, they're aiming right at the churches directly. And this is the Equality Act, right? This is the Equality Act. And they're aiming at businesses um, any place that's that's free of this radical ideology, they're going right for you. So you can't hide from this. So either speak up, join the struggle. We're in the greatest moral battle in the United States history. I believe this is even greater than the Civil War, the battle mm-hmm. there. Because this is, like you said, a radical anti-science, anti-reality-based uh, agenda mm-hmm. they're trying to force on folks. Mm-hmm. And if they win, it'll be the end of Christianity in America, let alone the end of America. Yeah, and it, it will be formed. the end of America because it we're moving be so far away from the founding of this nation and the principles that made us yeah. the greatest nation on the face of the earth, a Absolutely. beacon for other nations. And uh, I always tell people, listen, if you think that the other countries in the world, if you think other nations aren't watching what's happening here, you're wrong because they know as the United States goes, so goes the rest of the world. So if we can be hijacked right here at home, then we are not able to be the force for good and the help that we have always been to other nations around the world. You're absolutely right. So what we have to do is imitate what they were doing, which is actually what original uh, Christians originally uh, started. We were supposed to be the evangelists. Right, right. What would happen, Mark, if the church is doing what it was supposed to be doing? Oh, wow. What would happen? Oh, we wouldn't be in the mess we are in right now. Uh, we wouldn't need the government coming in and saying, hey, we're yeah, we're, from, we're from the government. You know, we're here to help. But didn't Ronald Reagan say those are the the, uh, the most terrifying words ever spoken from and a government actually, official? It's a true statement. It I is. saw it in action. And when the church is silent, then government takes control. So if this church speaks up and, and tells people, you know, uh, gives people guidance about the right way to live, and the church takes up the responsibility of being that kind of leader, moral leader in the, your community— then we live the righteous way and um, and we prosper. So we still have a chance. I'm starting to see signs of awakening. So it's mm. not all doom and gloom uh, right now. And in, in Washington State, I'd say there's still about 40% or so of faithful Christians out there. So we're not far from that 50% if we just go out two by two mm. and bring people back to Christ and be able to speak boldly with compassion and love to our neighbors about the right way to live about salvation through scripture and prayer, we will win. That means we have to change how we've been kind of sleep for the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. That means that we really do have to get involved. And we've talked about this before. All politics is local. Hope you guys are enjoying this interview with Mark Melosha, the executive director of the Family Policy Institute for Washington. We are going to continue this conversation tomorrow. I hope you guys will share this with your friends. And again, don't forget to leave reviews for the podcast over at iTunes. We are shooting for 10,000 reviews and you guys are helping us out in a big, huge way. Thanks for supporting this podcast financially and for your prayers. We greatly appreciate it. I'm glad you guys tuned in today and I'll see you back here for part two of my interview with Mark Melosha tomorrow. For more encouragement, visit me online at thebusymom.com.